Yeah, okay, so finishing today, our last passage is Galatians chapter 2. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaimed among the Gentiles, in order to make sure that I was not running or had run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because a false brother secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seem to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. And those, I say, who seem influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles, and when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. To do. So, okay, so Paul is describing this field trip <laughs> he took uh, with Barnabas and Titus. So Paul and Barnabas are both Jews. Titus was not a Jew. And we know that because verse 3 says that he was not forced to be circumcised and that he was a Greek. So he went there to kind of like check things out in HQ. So Jerusalem is the center. Uh, it's where Jesus was uh, crucified. So it's the center of Christianity initially when he went out from Jerusalem to Samaria to Judea to, to all the, the ends of the earth. And it's uh, where... All the pillars he mentions, all the apostles are still there. Peter, James, uh, John, Cephas, so all of them are there. So when he went there and they recognized that Paul had the true gospel. They recognized that actually Paul was preaching the same gospel in this other location outside of Jerusalem, in this Gentile church, non-Jewish church, this international church. And the reason why he did this was because, you know, people had come to this church and said that, hey, you have this gospel, but you, you non-Jews have to start taking on these additional rules that we Jews have been following all this while. So the way that Paul did, did that was he went to the source of the problem, as it were. Here were people who were very zealous for the law, very zealous for their culture, who wanted these guys over here to follow their way of life. So the, what he did was he put before them, hey, hey this is my sermons <laughs> for the last how many years, wherever. This is why I've been teaching them in terms of the gospel. And he did this privately before those who seem influential, verse 2, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure that I was not running or had not run in vain. That means he hadn't done all this work of planting this church and now he's just being cut underfoot. You know, the rug is being pulled under their feet. You know, these people are coming and trying to break down this hard work that he's done in building up this church. And he calls them false brothers, verse 4. Yet because of these false brothers who came in, they slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us 
back into slavery. And these guys seem very, very free because, you know, as Jews, you know, you cannot do this, you cannot do that, you cannot eat, you know, sweet and sour pork, you cannot uh, uh, wear certain hairstyles, that kind of thing. But these guys, oh, wow, you know, they, they don't have to follow these kind of things and they get to go to heaven. They get to become Christians as well. All these internationals, you know, they get so many, such a free pass. They say, no, 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 they have to follow some of us. And he says, these are false brothers. They're trying to enslave us in this process. And verse 5 says, we did not yield to them even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved in you. So he's doing this for the sake of his church, these internationals in his church saying, for your sake, you know, I went there. I said, hey, this, this, this is the gospel we're preaching. This is the right gospel, right? This is a great, are, are you preaching the gospel? Are you, it's, it's not that he wants them to check whether his sermons are good. He's checking are you, are you, do you guys know the gospel? Because people from you are coming to us telling these things that are not the gospel. Are you okay or not? That's why he keeps saying, these guys who seem to be a big deal, big names, influential, Paul does not care anything about that. The most thing he wants, anything he cares about is that the gospel that they believe in, you believe in, is it the same one? Are you checking out? So Paul is checking them out, not they're checking him out. But they did recognize that he had the true gospel and therefore they gave him that right hand of, of fellowship. Where, where does it say that? The right hand of fellowship, verse 9, to Barnabas and me. So they said, okay, all right, we are partners. And they're partners in different senses that Peter and all of them go to the circumcised, means they go to the Jews, and Paul will then concentrate on all the non-Jews in the in outside of Israel and they'll keep planting churches there. And this is this is what something that God has given them. He who entrusted where where is it again? He who worked through Peter and his apostolic ministry, that means talking about God. God gave Peter this ministry, is also God who gave me this ministry. So it's all God's doing. God's way of splitting up the mission field so that you can concentrate and can be more efficient in the way that you're preaching the gospel and planting these, these churches uh, for his glory. So yeah, the only thing they asked him to do, please, can you remember us because we are poor? <laughs> remember the poor, which actually Paul that we've been reading in Second Corinthians, in Romans, he's been going around doing a collection to help out the poor brothers in Jerusalem. So Paul actually did do this. Let's pick up from verse 11. But when Cephas, or Peter, uh, came to Antioch, I opposed him face to face, opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force Gentiles to live like Jews? Verse 15, We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that the person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have belief in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. So Paul really calls Peter out. You know, Peter, you know, he was 
he was hanging out uh, with the Gentiles. Bef he says before these men came, you know, he was eating with the Gentiles. You know, um, he was eating all this food that traditionally as a Jew he was not supposed to eat, but he thought, hey, you know, it's okay because, you know, in Christ we have this freedom and we are no longer defined by these food laws. So eating, eating, it's just food laws, simple thing. But the moment these guys, these Jewish brothers, came from his hometown, from Jerusalem, came over to visit out and to spy them, he calls them false brothers earlier on, he started to just say, okay, I'll keep my distance. Maybe I won't hang out with them as much. I won't hang out with these internationals because they'll think I'm one of them and I'm breaking all these rules. And Peter might actually have like good motivations. He doesn't want to stumble some of his friends, friends back home. He doesn't want to cause trouble for the Christians who are Jewish back in Jerusalem. They may face persecution because they think that they also are breaking the rules. So, so Peter might have, have his justification, but Paul goes, Hey man, you, you can't do this. You cannot do this. You are being a hypocrite. You, you, it, he calls him that verse 13 and acted hypocritically along with him because what happened is that when Peter started distancing, sitting at a different table from the Gentiles, starting eating different food from the Gentiles, even though he'd been doing this all along, other, other Jews were starting to act like Peter, including Barnabas, who was a leader in this church. And he was, Paul was going, okay, this is ridiculous. And he says, when I saw their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, he said to see fast before them all. In, that means in front of everyone in the church. You are a Jew. You have been living like a Gentile, not like a Jew. Now you want the Gentiles to live like you. You want to live like them, but you want them to live like you. It's like, this is, how can you do this? And then he, he backs it up in verse 15 by saying, you know, we know that we are only justified by faith. We who've been following these laws know that it's not that our observance of these laws, that we went to Sunday school all, all our lives, that we went to Chinese church all our lives, is not because of that that we are saved, but only through faith in Jesus Christ. It's not by the works of the law, verse 16, but by faith in Jesus Christ. And works of the law put in there whatever works, anything that makes you look good in church, anything that makes you qualified as whatever kind of servant in church, you know, you've written how many, you know, uh, Sunday school material, you've gone to how many classes, you've done all these kind of works which are good, you know, which are commendable, they do not save. The only thing that saves you is faith in Jesus Christ alone. And he says, so we have believed in order to be justified by faith and not by works of the law. Because the works of the law, no one will be justified. No one can fulfill all these works. And then let's pick up by verse 17. But if in our endeavors to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. And ultimately what Paul is trying to argue for is what it means to be loved by God. You know, you think that by doing this law, and I'm loved and I do more of it, I'm loved even more. But Jesus says, Jesus, Paul says, the life I live by flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Meaning Jesus died so that I could be loved. Jesus died to show me that I am loved. Jesus didn't die so that I can do all these things. And then he said, okay, all right, you've done this. Okay, now I love you. No, Jesus loved me first. 
And therefore now he's given me this life that I've lived through his death. And so ultimately the gospel shows that we are loved in Christ, not that we have to live and then we have to earn his love. No, it's actually Jesus Christ, such is the, extent, the, the extent of his love that he gave his life for my sins. He died because I could not, I could never ever fulfill all the requirements of this law. He fulfilled it on my behalf. And that reminds me that I am always, always loved, especially when I fail the law, especially when I don't fulfill the law. I am still loved in Christ. And that's the big difference between someone who knows the gospel and someone who only knows the works of the law. And yeah, so Paul is this kind of like controversial leader. You know, imagine, you know, of all people you're calling out is Peter. You know, one day you call out your pastor in your church. Or, you know, if you're a Chinese church, you go all the way to COCM and you're going, uh, I won't mention his name, you're going to call out, but he's a, he's a good guy, but don't, don't do this. I mean, imagine you call out the top guy in your denomination because, because somewhere down the line, you know, they've forgotten to emphasize just how the gospel is just about Jesus alone, faith in him alone. And somehow they started to hint that you need to do these extra things, like, you know, turn up for Zoom on church. You know, you need to serve and do these things. You need to give money, which are all good things, which are all things that, you know, hopefully as Christians we do. But the moment you start implying that you don't do these things, you're not a Christian. You don't do these things, you're less loved by God. That's the time you really need to call out and say, do you know the gospel? Are you preaching the gospel? Do you realize how amazing it is that Jesus died in order for us to be able to have this life in him? And are you saying that therefore Jesus' death is not enough? The gospel is not enough. And those are situations that are touchy, hopefully rare, but they need to be addressed. Because here in Galatians, we find out what the gospel is not, what faith in Christ is not. And sometimes that's very clarifying, very helpful when you point out what the gospel is by pointing out what the gospel is not. It's not your work. It's not your goodliness. It's not all the things that you've done that is, you know, that people praise you for. It is only, only in Christ and his death on our behalf and our faith in that death alone. Okay, all right. Uh, oh, two minutes. I can do this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the death of Christ and thank you that we are loved in him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.